everyone. Welcome to the Video Chat Podcast. Now, this is our podcast where we review, reminisce on and reconnect with some of our favourite music videos, old and new. Uh, this is part two of the movie Bonanza <laughs> me and Lauren have embarked upon. I am Una and she is Lauren. Bonjour! <laughs> <laughs> Hola. Um, so yeah, so we wrapped up the first part of this um, particular segment looking at Armageddon and Aerosmith and all things in between. And because we blather on a fair bit, we were like, let's just make this a two-parter. Frigget. Why not? Um, give, give the people what they want, Lauren, that's what I say. <laughs> so I feel like a lot of pressure here. This is like being asked to do like the keynote speech at like some kind of like a Nobel award ceremony because this is like my calling in life. I feel like I've been on the bench <laughs> my whole life and this is my moment to shine because if there was ever a film or like something synonymous with me in my life, it is the film Titanic. I did mention at the start of the last podcast, part one, that like if this was a person, there would be a restraining order. And I'm going to give you plenty of examples of why my relationship with this film is extremely unhealthy, or it was at a time. Um, so let's have fun uh, with that and, and just enjoy ourselves. Yes. So I have a lot of information and I don't have to be selective with the information because we could be here for several days. Um, but it's been one of those things where you kind of have to take it in chunks and everybody knows the Titanic sunk. Most people, unless, you know, I don't know, like, could there, Lauren, there could potentially be people out there that haven't heard of the Titanic. Do you think that's possible? Uh, I think there's, it's possible, there's yeah, more, but... I think there's more obvious things that people might not be as aware of. I'm talking about Northern Irish people, uh, in particular, because obviously we've got the Titanic Centre and all the rest of it. But I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if I came across a person in their teens or, you know, mm. late teens, early 20s that either didn't know the just didn't have like a knowledge of the fact that it was built in, in Belfast and whatever. I'd say around the world, absolutely, you'd find many people that have never heard of it. Mm. But I think I wouldn't be surprised. So, you know, don't listen to your history teacher. Don't go online. Listen to the video chat podcast <laughs> to get all your Titanic facts and figures. So I thought it'd be kind of like, I, I did a lot of looking at the actual Titanic itself, just a wee brief history moment. And I just wanted to pull out some things that I thought were actually quite interesting about it. Um, obviously, at the time, it was the largest ship. Um, ship? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Was that, was that really broad? <laughs> so damn about like the largest ship. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm talking to my mum, she will just say something incredibly broad and I will mm. have to repeat it there, <laughs> like, stop whatever I'm doing and just say the same thing. So obviously the Titanic famous or infamously sank in April, 15th of April tw- or 1912, which is what only like four days away mm. before we reached that um, that 
anniversary. And of the 2,224 um, passengers and crew, uh, 1,500 died. Uh, and, you know, we know now, if you want to watch the film or if you're aware that was a serious issue with the lifeboats, apparently it was it was completely, you know, it was practiced in maritime safety regulations that you didn't have to have enough life, lifeboats to, right. to cover all the souls on board. Um, so it's funny because whenever I was looking at some of the information, I know even on like uh, Wikipedia, um, it's they refer to the boat as a she. Mm-hmm throughout which I thought was weird because I mean that's very like it's a bit like I cars for Wikipedia it would just be it not she yeah, I just thought true. it was weird that they gendered it on like Wikipedia mm. but anyway I, how do you feel about that do you feel it some kind of way like I always feel like you know mother nature things like mm. a big powerful vessel is called a she I feel like along the way there have been signs where you know power and um you know some kind of like celestial or you know supernatural force is female like mm. I, I, there's there's a mistake about that or there's something about the yeah. fact that those those things are referred to as female that I find quite empowering what do you think am I yeah shit? well now that you mentioned it um surprising I mean considering it's like a historical thing that a, a yeah. boat would be called she or whatever Plus the mm. fact that obviously it's built, you know, in a shipyard by hundreds of men. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, why would they deem it female? I don't know. Well, nurse, the thinking has been behind that, you know. Yeah. Obviously yeah, now like it's it. just tradition at this point, isn't it? But um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, she's got a quarter chassis on her. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's yeah. something about cars. I'm, I'm, mm. I'd say the Titanic did have quite the chassis, <laughs> um, given her size. Now, I've seen like pictures where they like scale the boat at the time versus like the friggin' QE2, you know, or mm. any other kind of massive like luxury liner of the day. And it, it's completely dwarfed by those things. Mm. But at the time, like it was colossal. Um, so, I mean, the, the ship itself, it was transporting the very wealthy people who were emigrating to a new life in America, um, all that kind of stuff. And I, I thought it was really interesting that the, the, the ship at the time that it sailed was actually under capacity um and that was due to like that was that was very rare for a maiden voyage um because apparently there was a uk uh, coal strike and this was having a massive impact on because a lot of these mm. ships were dependent on coal for fuel um because of that the kind of you know there had really had a big impact on like shipping um transport and timetables and schedules they weren't able to operate as often so basically a lot of people weren't able to get onto the titanic because at the time if you want to modernize it it was like missing your connecting flight you know mm. like there just there weren't the ships to take you to southampton yeah um to um to let you uh get onto the boat itself it made a few different stops as well so i think i think i read the stop had a stop in France and then um, somewhere in Ireland and then it made the trip uh, across the Atlantic. Um, So the ship itself, four days into its its voyage, um, struck an iceberg famously and the iceberg, had the iceberg hit the ship um, straight on apparently, they say, 
it, it would have made it to New York in the end right. if they just let it take the impact at the front. Um, because it kind of dashed across the side of the ship, um, it uh, penetrated uh, five of the 16 watertight compartments. Um, now, it, it would have been okay. It wouldn't have sunk, it wouldn't have sunk if it had only damaged four which is a right. real bitch because that one extra one yeah. like screwed them over big time. Um, also, the crew hadn't had proper, hadn't been properly trained in evacuations, or they didn't know how many people they could mm. fit in the lifeboats. So it was a real shit show yeah. uh, from the word go. You know, um, I didn't even realize that they were only on board for four days. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. not like I genuinely thought it was a lot longer into the journey mm. than that. But there you go. I think it was like not far from like Halifax, like Nova Scotia. Mm. So they were they were nearly there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like it was just a, it was the pinnacle of luxury, like the first class anyway. They had um, uh, things like they obviously utilized whatever kind of technology was available at the time, where you could send a Marconi gram, which is oh, wow. our boy Marconi, <laughs> mm-hmm. our homeboy. Um, he uh oh this is a thing where passengers were able to send messages from the ship which mm-hmm. wouldn't have been the norm at the time um now if you want it to like stay if you want to, if you want to put it into like how much things cost nowadays um if you want to go for, uh, third class um in today's money that would cost 700 pounds that's a lot of money when you think of like steerage now steerage on the ship yeah the Titanic was luxury compared to other ships. And I mean, our only point of reference is the film Titanic mm. for that. And a, a massive amount of research went into replicating those areas of the ship like to the letter where they could. Um, now the cheapest first class um, ticket that you could get was £2,300. Uh, and the most expensive first class suite was 87,000. Now that's Lord all by today's God. money. Yeah. yeah. And like the ship itself, like I mentioned, carried really wealthy people. Um, some of the more prominent passengers, um, John Jacob Astor, a lot of these people were like just, you know, magnets in uh, industry. Mm. Um, Benjamin Guggenheim, now again, another industrialist. Um, I, I just know there's a Guggenheim Museum yeah. in New York. I assume he is the person tied to that. Uh, the owners of the owners of Macy's um, is Ida Strauss and his wife Ida. And in the movie Titanic, um, they are portrayed as the couple lying in the bed together as the water is rushing oh. in under the bed. I, drowning, not my preference. Oh, way, no. Preferred oh, no. way to die, to be honest with you. Um, there was Margaret Molly Brown, also known as the unsinkable Molly Brown. She got mm. her own film. Uh, there's a film made about her as well, like an actual movie made. Um, she's obviously played by Kathy Bates in the Titanic mm. movie. Uh, she's really interesting. And I, I didn't bother. I, I had enough to on the plate as it was. I remember doing a wee like, Google search on her just on an idle Saturday afternoon. Um, I don't know how long ago. She had a very interesting life. I mean, she was like nouveau riche. So she was like mm-hmm. new money. And like you see in the film, you get the sense yeah. that she's looked down upon because she's not coming from this long line of wealthy uh, people and, and you know, being involved in different mm-hmm. industries and businesses. Um, Elsie Byerman, she was a suffragette and a lawyer. Um, she, now I can't remember did she die or was she on the boat? I should have marked who died and who survived, but the first uh, three people that I mentioned there, they all died. Um, there was 
William Thomas Steed. He was a pioneer of investigative journalism and quite a controversial figure of the Victorian era. So obviously investigative journalism, you know, true crime, all that kind of stuff, you know, he mm. might be somebody people might want to um, have a wee look at. Uh, he did survive. Um, Dorothy Gibson, she was a prominent silent movie star. Um, she survived and went on to star in the first motion picture based on the actual disaster. Oh, well. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. It's like, was she a genius or was she just a really insensitive, heartless bitch? Mm. Um, who knows? But she, life gave her lemons. She made some lemonade out of she it. Did. So uh, that's her. Um, and Andrew Pears of the Pears soap industry, oh. soap manufacturers, Pear soap, which I use to soap my eyebrows. Um, very eyebrows good and eyebrows. Eyebrows, <laughs> only eyebrows. I don't soap anything else. I just <laughs> make sure my eyebrows are soaped. Um, Bruce Isfay, he was the White Star Line Managing Director. He is famously played by Jonathan Hyde in the movie um, and is very much portrayed as a villain, put a lot of mm. pressure on uh, Captain Smith. Uh, Captain Edward Smith, who I feel confident was who Captain Birdseye was modelled off. Right. <laughs> I think if you go and look at him, the, the comparisons are there. Okay. Mm. I just think it's too much of a coincidence. Um, but in the movie, he put a lot of pressure on on Captain Smith to like, you know, get the last of the uh, engines going to try mm. and see if they could get into to New York early and, you know, let it be an even bigger victory. Um, being the biggest liner and that it was able to surpass the expectations in terms of its speed as well as size. Um, so um, the uh, at the time that the ship had sunk, um, they, there was a, a bit of a, there was all kinds of um, Morse code and everything being sent out trying to get any ships in the area to get to the ship itself. Um, so they were like, they were, again, I think there were other white Starline ships like the HMS Carpathia was one of the ones that um, was the first there to help people get away. Now, they were transmitting or sending information back to shore about what was going on. So there was a lot of confusion at the time about what had happened, like, you know, had everyone been able to be saved, what had gone on, um, but uh, in the end, there was massive shock that, ship had actually sunk and like literally everyone mm. died like only 700 old people ended up being survived or being rescued i uh, that is a ridiculously small number i remember looking at stuff about like how many children died from first oh. class second and i was like oh why am i looking at this depression central um not what we need in this day and age no so um there was a big drive to support the people who had um, survived. A lot of people were left, you know, their their sole um, providers or the people who were providing the income um, had died, perished, because as we know from the film and as would have been customary at the time, it was women and children first. And I don't know why I feel a wee bit surprised about that because, you know, I just feel like, because especially in the early 20th century, I would have thought there was such a patriarchy. I would have thought no harm, no harm would have been thrown in fire first and it would have been the men and the children that they would have I, tried to um, salvage. I would imagine, though, it's a bit of a, a toxic masculinity coming to bite itself in the arse because they yeah, thought I know what you mean. women and children are weak. 
and mm. they wouldn't survive. You know, yeah, we yeah, could swim. Yeah. Us men, if we end up yeah. in the sea, we'll just swim about and we'll yeah. land and we'll survive. They wouldn't. So, yeah. they, you know, they did shot themselves with it. You know? well, I'm all for that type yeah. because I would see myself like I would say I'm a feminist but then I don't want to take the bins out so <laughs> if it suits me feminism is about doing what you want to do and if that means yeah. not taking the bins out you're still a feminist <laughs> yeah and, and, and let me tell you if they were saying women and children first I'd be like here listen that's us we have to go Racing. we have to go I have no that's choice me. I would stay but they're, they're, they're calling me um there was all kinds of attempts made to sue White Star Line um, for damages, but the courts actually ruled that the sinking was largely unforeseeable rather than due to negligence. Um, right. So there was there were a number of people who were successful in making claims, but there was no way that they would have had enough money, mm. like in terms of their insurance, to properly compensate everybody. Um, I thought another thing that I thought was really quite interesting was that as a result of the sinking, there were major improvements made in maritime safety uh, and the international, um, hmm, of course I can't read that. Yeah, International Convention for the Safety of Life at Sea. Um, that was set up, it was established and it still governs maritime safety today all off the, off the back mm-hmm. of the, the Titanic. Um, the wreck itself was discovered in 1985. Um, so, and, and thousands of artifacts were recovered. Um, no blue diamond, though, because mm, unfortunately, oh it's, it's, not real. <laughs> diamond. it's not real artifact. Um, talking of survivors, uh, something that I read that was um, quite interesting was the final survivor or the last survivor um, to. Uh, finally pass away was a lady who'd been born in England uh, called uh, Malvina Dean. She died in 2009 at the age of 97. So she was only two months old oh. uh, when the ship sank. Now, her father was killed um, in the sink and he, mm. he, he drowned, sadly. Um, now, she was invited to the first of uh, the the version that Dorothy Gibson was involved in. She was invited to the first kind of proper motion picture about the film. By the way, if people think I'm talking weird, I bit the inside of my cheek (laughs) earlier and I keep catching it on my uh, molars. So it's very annoying. Um, So basically she refused to, she was invited to all these movies. She invited to James Cameron's Titanic. And funnily enough, she refused to go because... (laughs) Well, did you know it was a massive trauma in her life that killed one of her prominent family members? And maybe <laughs> sitting down and watching an entertaining piece of cinema mm-hmm. about that tragedy wasn't something that was very high on her to-do list. Do I want to watch a very realistic recreation yeah. of the disaster that killed my dad? Well, let me think about it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that would do my mental health wonders. <laughs> If I could sit down with a wee bit of popcorn mm. and just watch my father's life and it, slip away under oh, look, the look at that little baby on the screen. That could have been me. That, that probably was, was me. Flipsy. Yeah. So, I mean, so insensitive. Um, but, you know, she did, She was okay in the end, despite that. Um, now, the way that it's worded, it's really weird. So, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet made a joint donation of $20,000 towards Milvina's uh, health care um, in the months before she died, uh, just taking right. her health care bills. 
and it says so they gave they made a joint donation of twenty thousand, so ten thousand each. Yeah, you think That's how I see that. <laughs> and then it goes on to say James Cameron and Celine Dion donated ten thousand pounds each to your healthcare bills. Why could they not just have said all four gave ten grand each? Like yeah. I read it and thought, okay, that's weird. It's like you know whenever you're doing like evil word count in an essay. Yeah, they've had to read it. Like, Let's try and stretch this shit out. <laughs> um so yeah, so that's that's basically all I have have interesting to tell you about the ship itself. Obviously, go on to the movie, um, directed by James Cameron. Uh, I didn't realize James Cameron was Canadian, you know, Lauren. Um, he would be best known for his sci-fi movies and his big epic movies. So the likes of Terminator, all the Terminator films, The Abyss, True Lies, brilliant film, um, Titanic, and Avatar. Um, so his films have grossed six billion worldwide, which is massive. And Avatar and Titanic are the highest and third highest grossing films of all time. Um, so he's doing well for himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've read what a control freak he is. He 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 went to see Star Wars, and that is what led to him kind of being interested in film. But he did he didn't actually go to study film. So I love I love it whenever I hear about people who just went and did it. And, yeah. you know what I mean. And so there's so many aspects. Now he was probably living at a time. Um, where I think we missed the boat in some ways for it maybe kind of where it's not um, what you know it's who you know so Mm. you know people giving you the opportunity and you just grab it with both hands and you do what you you do what you do with it Um, he is a close friend of now I cannot pronounce his name he directed Pan's Labyrinth he's a very famous um, as a Spanish director, uh, Guillermo del Toro. Oh yes, Guillermo del Toro. So they they're they're very good friends now. In uh, 1998, uh, Guillermo's father was kidnapped, and uh, James Cameron gave him the million pounds for the ransom. Good God! <laughs> I feel like okay. I'm still saying that name wrong, but anyway, yes. Yeah, so, so that's who that was. Um, he James Cameron will make anyone audition for him. He doesn't care how hmm. big you are, you know. Your it's your time and sun. You know you're attracting all the attention. You're auditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate Winslet like went on a bit of a campaign to to try to secure the role of Rose in the movie, and and she did eventually get it. So I think she did audition, but she was very keen to be like considered for the role. Um. And in the movie, um, the scene where Jack does the portrait of Rose, the naked portrait, that's actually James Cameron's hand that is drawing that that portrait. So he, he he's the artist. You obviously, you see mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio very like intently, you know. Like, yeah. Mm. But behind the shape, he, if you probably looked at what he was drawing, it would have just mm-hmm. been a whole lot of fucking squiggles and circles <laughs> and shape. Um, James Cameron was like. He was the he did the actual picture, so I thought that was very um, cool. very cool. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a very talented man. Yeah. Um, James Horner, he he direct or he was like the musical director, composed the whole score. He's a very well known American composer connected to all all sorts of films. Um, now the the score for the Titanic is actually the biggest selling orchestral soundtrack in history. Um, from my sources um, whether that's changed I'm not sure um, and then obviously Celine Dion sings the title track 
well, it's not the title track, the track, the soundtrack, or the, the mm. theme song for the movie, My Heart Will Go On. So Celine herself, her full name is Celine Marie Claudette Dion. And she was born on the 30th of May, 1968 in Quebec. And she is of French Canadian descent. Now, Celine is the youngest of 14 children. 14? Which sounds horrific. Wow. I feel like there's too many in my family and there's three of us. <laughs> um, so yeah, that would have been rough. I think they were quite poverty stricken. Um, like I say, I was kind of like, I could have gone into rings and rings of detail, but you know, for the purposes of the podcast, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be relevant. I'm not, <laughs> I, I don't think we need to know what um, the income of the Dion house was year by year. <laughs> Um, so she herself always wanted to be a singer, which is a relief because it worked out pretty well. Because if she was a ship singer, she would have been probably, yeah. you know, working in a restaurant somewhere in Quebec. <laughs> so she actually represented Switzerland in the Eurovision Song Contest in 1988 and won. Um, she, uh, and that was in Dublin as well. Um, that was where that was, uh, that was uh, presented. Um, she married her manager. Uh, Renee. Um, now, weirdly, he mortgaged his first house to fund her first album. Or he, sorry, he mortgaged his house to fund her first album. Um, she was twelve at the time, and he was thirty-eight. Oh, well, now I don't know. I'm very conscious of the fact that mm. obviously Renee is not with us anymore, and that I'm pretty sure. I really hope that that relationship became romantic at a time when it was appropriate. I'd hope but, so. <laughs> um, that's weird. I'm yeah. going to just say it. That's my yeah. view on it. It's very weird. It's a bit like, I mean, Elvis Presley, he was like basically mm-hmm. grooming um, Priscilla right. Presley when she was, what, 12, 13, yeah. 14? That, um, that was and very then when young, she was 15 yeah. or 16, proposed to her or whatever, the, as soon as the age of consent arrived, he was in there mm. um, like a shot. And then as well, if anyone wants to um, watch a really interesting documentary series, I think it's Alan versus Farrow or Farrow versus Alan on Sky Documentary. It's all about the um, the case with Woody Allen and oh, yeah. um, his ex-wife, Mia Farrow. Mm-hmm. He famously is in a relationship with... Who, with Sun Yi, who was his stepdaughter for a time, mm. she was Mia Farrow's adopted daughter. But there's just shades of that. And do you know what? Mm. It's one of those things that's never really talked about. And so I don't want to give loads of life to it or like shine a light on it, really. But like that's a massive age gap. I think we can all agree yeah. 12 versus 38. They weren't in a relationship when she was 12, mm. but he was. I mean, the fact that this man was mortgaged in his house, he had a lot yeah. of belief in her talent. He definitely which is did. Fantastic. But, you know, he, like, got her dental surgery and everything so that she, you know, looked the part to then go on to be who she is now. Mm. Not that her teeth would have determined her talent, but absolutely, I think, helped her image. Yeah. Um, her brother actually died two days after Renee died in 2016, oh, that's right. which is I'm so rough. Yeah. Um, I sent you as well last night mm-hmm. um, this performance that she what did. What was that? This was her first English performance. Now, more way to introduce yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Choices. Yeah. 
I mean, it's not talked about enough, to be honest. Mm. I think a lot of us think that her first, our first introduction to Celine Dion was Think Twice in 1995. Mm. Um, but go on, Google Celine Dion, Michael Jackson, night or performance 1988, and you will watch Celine Dion literally do a Stars in Your Eyes performance of Michael Jackson's song Bad with full, like, she's dancing like him, uh-huh. she's dressed like him. It's horrific and it's magnificent and in so many ways like I was very confused watching it I didn't know how to feel um I just had to show somebody else to see you know am I going crazy no I laughed as well because I've been doing a bit of a rewatch of the Father Ted series um I don't know why he just happened this week um but like it's it's a real comfort thing to watch Mm. I think um but obviously there's the competition time episode I think it is where Ted Dougal and Jack all dress up as Elvis for the yes. annual old priests look like competition, mm-hmm. and uh, Father Ted has this really bad like Elvis black wig. That's mm-hmm. what her hair is like in that Michael Jackson yes. video. Yeah. Where I was like, does she got Father Ted's wig on because that is the exact same terrible hairdo well, that she's well, got for Michael Jackson? What we can all agree on is she is committing herself to that performance. Like she mm-hmm. becomes Michael Jackson in that performance, and. Um, yeah, did he not present her with an award? Is that the one that we we laugh at from the carryouts years ago where she gets the award? It was like the American Music Awards, the American Music Awards, and um, somebody presented her with the award. I think it was the one where Michael Jackson famously... Was it, was it Michael presented it to her? I couldn't oh, tell you. I can't remember. I'm not the person. My cousin would know. Mm. Um, and she's like, thank you so very much. Um, it's just her whole like the, the way she does it is hilarious. Anyway, she has two, she has twin boys with Renee, Eddie and Nelson, and she also had a stepson with Renee, whose name I didn't bother to write down because oh, yeah. that's how good of a researcher I am. But he's <laughs> real, he exists, he is a person, and let's validate him. Um, okay, so if we move on to the song itself, so the song is composed by James Horner, the lyrics are by Will Jennings, and it's obviously performed by Celine Dion. Um, so the lyrics um, written by Will Jennings uh, were actually written from the perspective of a person of a great age looking back so many years. So, you know, it's whilst Celine Dion and in the video, the video was Celine like mm. almost looking like an angel coming down from like the night sky, um, like the angel Gabriel and just floating over the actual Titanic, like the movie cutaways and scenes mm-hmm. from the movie itself. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of weird because she's obviously of a certain age, but you know, you're not going to send a 90 year old in to sing that song. You're going to yeah. get somebody with the pipes to belt that one out. Um, now, Celine herself was, wasn't that end of the song. She was a bit worried that, you know, this was another theme song from a movie. She'd done Beauty and the Beast in 1991, and she didn't know if this was just going to be her shtick, kind of, this is mm. going to be what she's, you know, tied to the rest right. of her life. Now, Renee convinced her to do the song um, and to sing the demo version of that, and Tommy Mottola, famously mm-hmm. like the head of Sony Records and was married to Mariah Carey for a time he claimed that it was recorded in one tech and that the demo was actually the released version but apparently she did do I think for um the album she did a couple of different versions or whatever um 
James Cameron himself was worried that the song was going to commercialise the film, like it would become too commercialised at the end. Mm. Um, obviously, it all paid off. It was a massive, massive success. Um, at the height of its popularity, there was an edited version of the song, which included dramatic moments of dialogue um, from Jack and Rose and Serta in between Dion's vocals. And I sent you that last yeah. night as well. And I listened to it in, in the car today. And I was like, <laughs> I remember I loved it when this version would come on the radio. Um, so you so see yeah, you uh, quoting every line. <laughs> oh my God, Lauren, we could sit here and I could quote away. So good. Um, I might, me and my sister enjoy quoting Titanic at times as well. Um, now, James Horner himself, he knew, knew Celine before she recorded the song. Um, he also knew another singer. Singer? Singer. Yeah. Now, her name is, uh, it, it's pronounced Shesel. Um, she is Norwegian. Now, her, her surname is Scandinavian as fuck. It's very hard to pronounce it well, the spelling of it. I, I, I googled how to pronounce it and even though it does not sound at all like the way it's supposed to be pronounced her name is uh Shisel Shishkabel but the 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 spelling of her surname is like k-y-r-k-j-e-b and then like an o with like a, like mm-hmm. a line through it anyway I'm sorry <laughs> Shisel I'm not doing it justice she was actually scheduled she it was between her and Celine about what who was going to record actual my heart will go on um and James went with Celine because he felt like she did she deserved the chance to I don't know he felt like he wanted to support her career and thought she's going to do that now uh uh she still she does um a lot of the music in the in the score so you know all the like <laughs> that's her so okay. she does get her chance now she also did perform the actual song my heart will go on at the titanic 3d world premiere and the titanic live uh, concert and she has a beautiful voice i think it's a lot more operatic than celine mm. um but you can you can google that um now the film the song itself now this is what annoys me because i feel very strongly about this film lauren um, like I say, I have many the an example of, of just how deep you know my love runs for it. Um, but in 2011, Rolling Stone readers ranked it seventh worst song of the 1990s. Um, that really that really pisses me off because that's just hipster arseholes trying to be like, <laughs> oh shit, yeah. you know that's not shit at all. I just can't have it. This is it's just sheeple, sheeple just <laughs> running with the crowd, and yeah, it was massive, and they just want to shit on it, and it just annoys me. Rolling Stone um, magazine, did you say? Or Rolling Stone, seventh yeah, song. Rolling Stone. Well, I mean, yeah. that was just all the people went. Nirvana, I know, you know, Kurt mm. Cobain. He was mm. probably up there the, on the best list, and they were all down oh, yeah. and Celine. Yeah, I'm just pissed off because I'm sorry that it smells like Teen Spirit, as great as it is didn't top every chart worldwide i'm sorry about that guys um so they said that the song in the movie like they aged pearly and the song makes people cringe it doesn't it doesn't make me cringe lauren personally vulture magazine said that it had become fashionable to dislike the song maxim said it was the second most tragic event ever to result 
from that fabled ocean liner. Oh, and I'd no. say Mulvena Dane would have something to say about that. Don't you mm. dare try to trivialize what happens on that boat by attaching like <laughs> the song yeah. as like one of the worst things to ever happen. Like I think that's just very insensitive. I mean, um, I can definitely imagine in '97 when that the movie came out and the song came out, and it was such mm-hmm. it was so so huge. Like it mm. was massive worldwide. Mm-hmm. It's song and movie both. I mean, obviously that song was everywhere and you can, yeah. obviously people will get sick of hearing it. It's like one of those songs mm. where you turn on the radio flip that's on again and you sicken yourself yeah. listening to it. Obviously that would have an effect. But, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, just because you get sick of listening to it doesn't mean it's a really bad song. It just yeah. means you've listened like, to it too many times. I'm yeah. sick of hearing Happy Birthday and hear all of them. <laughs> anyway, since day dot... Um, so the song, the song won an Oscar, Grammy, Golden Globe. It was named the Song of the Century. It topped basically every chart going. Um, funnily enough, it also topped the hot Latin pop airplay. It was the first English language song to do so. And oh. Celine received a Latin music award for it, which oh, I just think is so funny because that's the song that couldn't be less Latin if it tried. Mm. Um, so that was kind of fun. Um, in terms of that, um, in the UK, it sold around 1.7 million as of September 2017, and it was Dion's second million-selling single in Britain, uh, following Think Twice in 1995. So it's the second best-selling single of 1998 after Believe by Cher, um, and she was the only female artist to have two. Two, two million selling singles in the UK until Rihanna matched that success with Only Girl in the World, followed up by We Find Love. Um, so um, they're on a par with each other. Mm. So that's really all there is to say about the song itself. I mean, as I've said, I was pretty obsessed with the film. I remember my first big family holiday like to America was in 1998 so right off the back of the film mm. and we where we were staying we were in Florida and we stayed in a place called Kissimmee which I think a lot of people have stayed in or will be familiar with Kissimmee if you've been to Florida and we landed in like a movie like kind of memorabilia like a movie themed shop and I had so many it was like I, I was just in heaven like things that they had just from all the big films, like just really not like I'm not talking memorabilia from those films, but mm. like themed, you know, just merchandise. Um, so I got a Titanic T-shirt, I got a Titanic hat. I looked like the film had vomited on me. <laughs> like I was a walking billboard for this film, and I um, wore them proudly. And I will never forget being in the queue for the Tower of Terror at the MGM Studios, and the rest of my family probably thought she looks like such a dick <laughs> don't tell her though she's just too young she'll not take it well I was what um how old was I I was 11 yeah. it was Easter it was mm. Easter I had I was still 11 at that stage um and I remember this wee girl came up to me probably similar age to me and whilst my family were all saying dickhead dickhead about me um this wee girl came up and was like excuse me where did you get your hat and your t-shirt and uh, I told her, and I looked at them like, hmm. <laughs> "Told you, like, hair flick, cool ass, class. I am class." <laughs> um, also, my confirmation name mm-hmm. is Rose. 
just off the back of uh, Titanic. Off the back of Titanic. <laughs> I tried to pretend at the time that I pulled it out of a hat and, oh, oh my God, it's Rose. It was meant to be. Um, the other option was Matilda. And this I'm is sorry. my children. <laughs> Matilda. Uh, after the movie. Matilda, Lauren. No, there's, I just thought, I just liked the fact that it was so different. Um, these are very, very clear reasons why children should not be given such things. responsibility. <laughs> I had a cousin who picked the name Dennis because he loved Dennis Burkamp because he's an Arsenal fan. So again, the evidence mm. is just as, as clear as day. Um, I think I didn't I really get family. much choice in mine. Kind of what like, was yours? Jude. What? Jude. Jude. Yeah, well, my, my handle for a long time on Instagram and stuff was Lauren Sarah Jude. That's my name. But, oh. um, but like, because my mum was very I much... I thought Jude was a boy's name, Lauren. They insisted it could be unisex. I don't mind it. I'm used to it now. So but, what's, um, the, what's the ties to Jude? Are you like well, my mum was just like, oh, it's, um, so, you know, you're sort of meant to pick a saint's name yeah. for your confirmation. And, mm-hmm. um, Ideally. Yeah, so St. Jude, and St. Jude is the patron saint of hopeless cases. So, hi! But also, Those bastards! <laughs> no, but also, uh, my mum's name, a lot namer, but you know my mum's name. Yeah. And that's like a female derivative of the name okay. Jude. Okay. Uh, okay. And okay. so she was kind of named after St. Jude, sort of. Okay. And okay. then I've got to uh, land it with it as well in its original okay. form. Well, that's so, nice. I mean, you've got Hey Jude, don't you? That's a cool that, song. I mean, that's cooler than Rose in so many ways. Um, <laughs> I, just, I really don't remember having too much say in that, really. I just I m- must have went, okay, I'll do. <laughs> and yeah. went along with it. I mean, it doesn't go. Oh, no, I was, I was given full artistic license. Really? It doesn't go, go like. Go wild. Passports um, or I, identity I think, documents. Yeah, well, it doesn't. So this is why no one really gives no a one shit. really knows these things. No. But um, yeah, I don't sign it on anything. But, mm. um, and I think no one would ever think it was attached to the film, the reasons behind it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there was that. I went to see it, I would say, three times at the cinema. And it was back whenever there was an intermission. Yeah. Um, so there, you got a wee break to go to the toilet. I think the break came straight after the sex scene, I think. Now, sex scene, I inverted remember. commas, it was very tame. It was always whenever they were looking for the car. Um, mm. Or thinking somebody was down down uh, in the um, wherever the, yeah. the cargo was being stored. Um, I, th- I have a, a vague memory of that being the case. I remember going to see it. My dad took me to one of the screenings. My dad took me to one as well. Yeah, and although it's not really graphic, it's still awkward as Cringe, shit when yeah. you're watching something like that with a parent and you're yeah. eleven or twelve. So yeah, yeah. I must have had. Um, a, I'm sure I had at least two trips to see it. Once mm-hmm. was definitely with my dad. And um, I don't know, maybe a friend or something the other time. I can't remember if my mum went to see it as yeah. well. Probably did, actually. I can't imagine she wouldn't have wanted to watch it. But um, yeah. yeah, I definitely remember uh, my dad taking me to see it and going, like, wanting to die off at the sex scene part. And mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. obviously I got um, very upset at the end and was crying. And my dad's like, oh, are you Lord. okay? <laughs> oh my God, I didn't realise you were so in touch with your emotions at that age. I mean... Just a nervous wreck from <laughs> start to finish. Here. Very cute. That's extremely cute. Um, so I, uh, my, I had posters galore of the film as well. My mom was quite like uh, an entrepreneur, not an entrepreneur. What's an ingenue? She mm. is that the right word I'm using? She used to go to the like 
the likes of cruisers or wherever you want to get your VHSs to remember mm. the weekend. Do you remember in the window, they would have like displays yep. of um, like big cardboard displays. She would tell them when you're done, when you're that, done using that, I want it. <laughs> I have the Titanic stand in my <laughs> fucking room. Like literally get me on the boat, sink me. Like I want to be there. Um, my sister did that recently, actually. Well, a couple of years ago, like she would have been, I'm sure she still is, a big Ariana Grande fan. Okay. And one of the local chemists, pharmacies in the town had the Ariana perfume. And this yes. big display with like, these mm-hmm. tubes, like all mm-hmm. stacked up with Ariana's face and all on them. And she just marched down to the chemist, like 15, whatever she'd have been at the time. Went, when, when you're finished with these, can I have them? And they went, yeah. okay. And she took yeah, all these Ariana. Like, good, great. We don't have to yeah. lug that shit to the dump. So she had uh, all this stuff in her room for a while. And then she had extra ones because you know, it was a big, massive display. And she's yeah. selling them on eBay and stuff, like making money. Oh my god! <laughs> I know. I would never have thought. Like she ours was a flipping in the fire eventually. She is an entrepreneur. That one, telling you, that's amazing. <laughs> my, uh, we also had Beauty and the Beast whenever it came out on video, like mm. like like back and back, like back in the early nineties. We had that in our playroom. Um, so yeah, that was yeah. I had that. Um, I also I remember remember at the back of like magazines. I just like there was a time where it was like buying um ringtones um like you had like your kind of like you know buying the subscriptions to like those like this is the 70s this is the Mm. 80s and like at the end of the night you know whenever tv had gone to bed like you know there'd be infomercials my mom was a member of the Britannia um it was like a I think it's like they would send you all the latest CDs and you'd send back what you didn't want and they would mm. refund you or whatever. And Titanic was coming, like the VHS was like, and I can remember that Monday. Counting. I just couldn't, I just couldn't focus in school. <laughs> I couldn't cope. I literally ran home from school and our post came quite late in the day. Um, I literally sat at the, at the door waiting for the postman. And I like, a dog like, sitting like, like a dog Like a dog, like I was like, it was going to come through. The letterbox was going to go, arr, arr. <laughs> 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 like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they had a dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was literally me. Um, and Jesus Christ, did that, did that video get worn out? Christ oh. almighty, like it was never off. Um, so, and let's bear in mind, like children at a young age like to watch things on repeat mm. and don't seem to, doesn't bother them, they don't get bored, they love seeing it again. I was like 12, 13, like mm. I wasn't healthy, Lauren. Like <laughs> I should have been getting referred to like some kind of <laughs> counselling or something. And then like the pinnacle, like, do you know what I actually wanted to try to get for this podcast was a tin whistle. <laughs> because... Do that terrible tin whistle version. <laughs> I um, so it came. Well, I was I was obsessed with them first year, and I was in first year school. We weren't at the same school at this time, um, but it was my local school, and it was at the Christmas concert was coming mm. up, and I, I just don't know. I just think Jesus, you get some balls on you now. Can I just say my school now? My old school is now like like very much I think a very respected school actually like it's mm. at the time it was rough it was a rough school um, and it's went up and in then, the world a wee bit it has I think the like the people the, the heads of the school over the last we're talking 
20 years I would say mm-hmm. like have really turned the school around and um yeah it's, it's it's a different case now but at the time like it was it wasn't wasn't maybe your first choice to go to it was a comprehensive mm-hmm. and um I went to my there was a school concert happening and this is a concert for the whole school and I so blinded by my love for this film said I want to sing my heart will go on <laughs> Sorry. In front of every goddamn motherfucker <laughs> you did have some balls on you thought you'd that'd be my worst nightmare 12 13 I'd rather get shot in the fire line on this full <laughs> assembly stage to be honest it's like whenever we when we did eventually go to school and you do would you rather with like mm. um, involved teachers and all kinds of uh, mm. disgraceful scenarios um yeah this would have been one of those <laughs> so I I did it and my teacher said would it be good if um like at the part where there's like a wee musical break you played the violin oh no <laughs> is this your music teacher said this yeah, like set me oh. up big time here, like Good for God. all time, all time trauma. Um, and I did it. And I, I, think, oh, I feel like if I went back in time, like I would be like, oh my God, make it stop. I want someone to shoot me in the face. But at the time, I thought I executed it quite well. So and my mum was I... loving it because apparently people were stopping around the butchers about it. So, I mean, I was like, I felt, like, town. felt like I was talking the time. My mum was delighted. But I just, people didn't realize. Oh. The, the level of obsession that, that was yeah. involved at that stage. Like, it wasn't healthy. And really, I should have been told, Una, no, no. It's, it's just, gone too um, far. I think let's just draw just a line in the sand here. <laughs> let's just leave it now. Um, but that was my, like, first, like, kind of big thing with loads of people. Mm. And, I can't, and I was 12. 12, I, Lauren. I so wish that we had been at the same school at that point Oh, you would have bullied me, so I'd say, for this. sure. I would, I would not. Bullied. Excuse me, I've never bullied. Oh, no, I don't think you're a bully, like. but I, I think... Um, <laughs> you don't I'm, think I'm a bully? <laughs> oh, well. I think you're... on balance it wouldn't have been you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, so I've got a few, a few, I say a few, I've got a shitload of facts about the film, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to cover all of them by any stretch, but there were so many. And I, I did actually, this is why my back is so sore, because I spent so long reading through every goddamn fact to see is it something that might be of interest. So a couple of wee things. Now, the other thing was, hmm, there was the obsession with the film, the obsession with Leonardo DiCaprio, again, very unhealthy. Oh. <laughs> um, were you were you um, a big fan of Leonardo at the time, Lauren? Not hugely, no. Uh, I mean, no. I thought it was quite cute in that, but... I don't know who 11-year-old Lauren fancied, but it wasn't really Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, See, my first crush in like primary school was Joey Lawrence. Um, he played he's... Blossom's big brother on the film, on the oh, series Blossom. And yes. then he was in brotherly love with his mm-hmm. two yes. actual real-life brothers. That was a good show, yeah, I remember Yeah, that. it was really good. I thought he was so, so, so handsome. Mm. But that was very, I feel like, Leonardo came along at a time whenever the hormones were starting to come mm. into play. So, like, I feel very, very strongly connected to Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, so, <laughs> um, I feel like we've grown up together in many respects, and I will always support his career and any choices he makes. I'm saddened that he only is attracted to like 19 year olds, though, which again yeah. follows along the creepy lines of aspects of this 
part of the the second part of the movies um podcast and the first mm. part with Steven Tyler and his shenanigans so there's some funny things so at finding out that she was going to have to be naked in front of Leonardo DiCaprio Kate Winslet decided to break the ice and when they first met she flashed him as you um do. as you do certain things there's things about that we relationship that I find so cringy but anyway um at least theatrical of- types in a- <laughs> I mean, I couldn't identify Lauren after everyone I've told you. Um, so um, in the scene of the movie where the water comes crashing into the grand staircase room, um, they only had one chance to do that because all the furnishings were going to be completely destroyed. Mm. So could you imagine if it was like, oh, my God, I forgot to turn on the camera. Oh, jeez. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so. absolutely, you know, thrown to the dogs. Um, Some sound technician didn't turn on the mic. <laughs> Oh yeah, he'd be screwed. <laughs> um, so the the scenes set in nineteen twenty two, um, like in terms of like the film Titanic, um, except for the present day scenes and the opening and ending credits. So only the scenes that are set like as if it's t- uh, nineteen twelve. Did I say two thousand two? I think you maybe said 1922. I got a bit confused there. Okay, sorry. I was like, I think I said the wrong thing there. So, yeah, in the movie, if you watch the scenes in their entirety, um, the scenes which are set in 1912 have a total length of two hours and 40 minutes, and that is the exact time it took for the Titanic to sink. Oh. Creeped out. Poetic, Um, sort of. Yeah, it's creepy. I mean, and things like that happen. It turns me. Um, also, the collision of the iceberg reportedly lasted 37 seconds, and that's how long the collision scene lasts in the movie. So, James Cameron, very, very much a stickler mm. for detail. And they had at one point, like, I think 1,500 extras, or no, I think about 1,000 extras. And, you know, he, uh, quite a large portion of those extras were given real life backstories of passengers from the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, even though like you weren't going to be seeing much of them but yeah. in his mind he was thinking if this is going to make people feel more authentically part mm. of the story then you know it's going to make a better film mm. um, when Jack is preparing to draw Rose for the like, famous you know um, um, you know gives him the wee the wee shilling or whatever it is and like, wearing this wearing only this and then it's like, you know, drawing like one of your French mm. girls' business. He says to her, over, he goes, oh, oh, over on the bed, the couch. That line was actually scripted as lying on the couch, but Leonardo DiCaprio actually screwed it up himself mm. and said, on the bed. And James Cameron liked it so much that he mm. said, no, keep that in because that feels even like far realer. So he was like ready to jump her bones. I hate that saying. <laughs> um, but that's it. He was obviously thinking the dirty dog. Um James Cameron himself went on 12 dives to the real Titanic himself. And Good again, God. if you're talking about the vastness of the sea, again, this man, I don't know, I couldn't have mm. done that because no. the pressure, I think it's like two miles down. He also went to the bottom of like, oh my God, I cannot remember the name of, it's like a massive, like, what what would you call it? Like a gorge in the sea. It's like mm. six miles, six, six to eight miles below sea level. I think he went down there as well. So, I mean, oh, it turns me again. Yeah, it just I makes me feel sick a wee bit. Yeah. So he found the whole experience extremely overwhelming emotionally. Mm. Um, 
And during the first trip, he was he was very goal orientated in terms of managing to get the shots that he wanted for those opening scenes of the film. And and he he found himself actually like broke down in tears, just really coming to terms with like the magnitude of the historic tragedy that he'd witnessed. Mm. Um, so he he was down there quite often. Uh, Gloria Stewart, she was um, eighty six at the time when she played Rose as an older woman at the age of 100. And they actually like did her makeup to make her look 100. Right. And I'm like, I mean, you're only 14 years out, surely. Surely we're not that, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, She herself died at the age of 100 in 1910, or no, 1910, 2010. Um, So uh, it's reported that, yeah, as I say, oh no, it was at least 150 of the extras that James Cameron spoke to and personally provided Mm -hmm. each with the name and a backstory of a Titanic passenger. Um, Because of how long this film, like while it it was being released on video, while it was still running in Mm theatres, and they had to send out replacement reels to theatres who had worn out the the previous copies. In the scenes that were set in the engine room, um, a lot of the stuntmen were only about five feet tall to make the engine room look a lot bigger. Okay, which I thought Random. was kind of funny. Yeah, a lot of angry men in that uh, in that engine room, I would say. Um, so there was a couple of different things in the scene where Rose meets Jack to thank him for saving her life. That was completely improvised um, by them at James Cameron's request. Um, and the spitting scene where he's teaching her how to like, no. like just go over the over the ship that was all completely ad libbed. That's um, rotten. I'm sorry. Of all the things in that movie, I can I could not watch that. I had to like look away. I couldn't deal with that. I, it, it doesn't bother me. It would take a lot for me to really like be like, no, I can't look at that. Um, and then according to Billy Zane, um, who plays Rose's um, fiance in the film. They had to do so many retakes of that scene where she spits in his face um, that Kate Winslet had to start using lubricant because oh. her saliva had run out. God, I think they used um, Vaseline, I think is where I saw it somewhere. Right. That, that was what they used. But yeah, so he said that he kind of became numb to being spat in the face. They did it so many times. I think she initially was supposed to kind of give him a jab in the arm. Um, but I think the spitting... Um, was a lot more effective, actually. So mm. I'm glad that that, that stayed in. Um, I'm just sorry, months... having imagined like having Vaseline in your mouth to spit at someone that hey, oh, the horrible, Ugh. stinking. Ugh. I hate whenever you put it on your lips and you end up tasting mm. a bit of it, and you're like, Ugh. um. <laughs> so at two hundred million dollars, um, they actually the cost of the movie uh, was more than the actual Titanic itself. Um, so at the time to construct the ship. Uh, when it was built, it was around 1.5 million pounds. But in, in 1997, the 1.5 million was like um, between 120 and 150 million. Mm. Um, the scene where uh, Billy Zane and Kate Winslet are having their coffee and um, Billy Zane's character has a tantrum and flips the table, that was all completely ad-libbed and he didn't know he was going to flip the table like that. So her reaction's genuine there, apparently. Um, Loads of people were like coming down with um, like hypothermia and stuff. They went to time the extras had to spend in really freezing cold mm. water. Um, now, when James Cameron was writing the movie, he intended for the main characters 
um, Rose DeWitt Bucator and um, Jack Dawson to be totally fictitious. Uh, and it was only after the script was finished that he discovered that there had been a real Jay Dawson who had died aboard the Titanic. And this guy was called Joseph Dawson, and he was born in September 1888 in Dublin. And his body was salvaged and buried um, in a cemetery in Nova Scotia with many other Titanic victims. And today, his gravestone, which is number 227, is the most widely visited in the cemetery. Jeez. It's funny because it's like, this poor bastard has no notion. Yeah. Um, so um, there was a recent, uh, yeah, as I said before, they established that had the ship just hit the, the iceberg straight on, would have been fine. Um, Johnny Depp was offered the role of Jack Dawson and he turned it down and he considered this a massive regret. Um, who's the other guy? Christian Bale auditioned. Um, he was in the running, but James mm. Cameron didn't want two British actors playing American mm. characters in the end. Um, so you know, I, on could the final... John, I could see Johnny Depp in that role, but not see Christian Bale in it. No, not Christian Bale, but oh, Lauren, I don't like Johnny Depp. And that's before all the stuff with Amber Heard. Mm. There's something I'd, about him just it melts me. Really? No, I would have liked him. But, you know. I like him in Edward <laughs> Scissorhands. Mm. What else do I like him in? I think that's it, to be honest with you. I hate him in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or yeah, Willie Monk in the Chocolate Factory. I hate I hate his him and Tim Burton's wee friggin' love affair with each other and that they can't friggin' go to the toilet without one another. Yeah, like they have to do everything together. Um, so on the this is this is mad here, this bit. So on the final night of filming in Nova Scotia, um, one or more criminals, I don't know who these people were, whether they were on a set or they were associated with film. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine people were able to just creep onto the set, but criminal minds, criminal masters would, were at work and they mixed um, PCP into the clam chowder, which has been served to the cast <laughs> and crew. So 80 people were taken ill, more than 50 were taken to the hospital. Uh, thank God, um, 86-year-old Gloria Stewart, she she dined elsewhere, otherwise yeah. no harm would have finished her off, I would yeah. say. Um, now initially, shellfish poisoning was suspected, but when James Cameron noticed that one crew member was demanding to see a priest, the director of photography was leading a conga line. Oh, well. The assistant director was talking to Cameron over a walkie-talkie while looking straight at him. <laughs> um, she even stabbed him in the cheek with a pen. Um, when he brought this up to her um, he realised that the chowder had been spiked with some kind of a hallucinogenic <laughs> drunk, drug uh, in the absence of like a purging agent he forced himself to vomit before mm. the drug took a full effect um, and his bloodshot eyes afterwards apparently frightened other crew members into thinking that it was another side effect of the drug um, Bill Paxton, who I can't remember the name of his character in the film, which I really should consider my obsession, um, he felt quite listless for like two weeks after the incident, um, even though the primary effects of the drug would only last for a few hours. Um, it can take up to eight or mm. more days to completely metabolize out of the body. Um, so he wasn't in a, good, in a good place for about two weeks. Mm. And then the culprits... Um, they were never caught. Uh, some disgruntled oh. crew members who um, had been fired uh, had been fired. They were suspected, but Cameron mm. himself always believed that it was an ex-crew member who had had an argument with the caterer and subsequently poisoned the chowder in an attempt to get the caterer fired as well. So that's absolutely mental, isn't it? 
that's very um just when you're describing all the weird you know reactions people were having it's very um patty mcdonald and the magic mushrooms yeah <laughs> i was oh my god i was showing that to my friend um because i was telling her that we're mm-hmm. due to go see him and um she was saying that her boyfriend is going to or he's, he's a big fan but she hadn't seen these clips and i was showing her the magic mushrooms mm-hmm. one and the the fag run one as well I was showing yeah. her those. she thought she was very entertained by them um Matthew McConaughey was in the running to play Jack as well. The studio oh. really wanted him to play Jack and James Cameron was sticking to Leonardo. Um, the um, or James Cameron had famously threatened to fire anyone um, who dared to get out of the tank for a bathroom break while shooting the lifeboat scenes. Um, so people were just pissing in that water, uh, oh. including Kate and Leo. Um, Lovely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Any wonder so people got hypothermia. Well, I would have thought it would have been quite warm if everyone was pissing collectively. Well, yeah. Might have been but if that's, how lo- if that's how long we're in it, you can't even well, yeah. wait for a break. Yeah. Good yeah. God. I know, I know. Um, so during the sinking scene, there's a priest reciting a passage from the Bible, um, and that apparently did happen on the ship. So they tried to be as accurate as possible. I think they believe that that was a Father Biles who was on sec- who was in the second class um, uh accommodations even though the film brought great fame for both leo and kate they are now embarrassed by their performances in this film and that really, really pisses me off because sorry where would you be really Hi. like that film made you Absolutely. i know Leonardo dicaprio was very much like he had just done romeo and juliet this film was basically like romeo and juliet on a boat was what, hmm. what i'd read as well um i just annoys me like this film you owe this film a debt of gratitude for what yeah. it did for you so do not bite the hand that feeds you um Winslet called her American accent awful I would agree with that um and she felt that her acting could have been better but do you know what I mean like you, you were still nominated mm. for an Oscar now, yeah. it was one of the very few films I don't know if it was one of the only films it had 14 Oscar nominations and didn't win in any of the acting categories and you know what if you're going to be that ungrateful that you didn't deserve it in the first place um, Robert De Niro was actually offered the role of Captain Smith um, but he turned that down uh, due to a gastrointestinal um, infection at the time okay. um, uh, again Kate Kate Winslet pissing me off no end here. So in 2012, <laughs> uh, in an interview with MTV News, um, shortly before the film was re-released in 3D, Kate Winslet admitted that she strongly dislikes the song My Heart Will Go On, which was recorded by Celine Dion. Um, and she said that, I wish I could say, oh, listen, everybody, it's a Celine Dion song, but I don't. I just have to sit there, you know, kind of straight face with a massive internal eye roll. It haunts me. Somebody give her a slap because I'm not having this. Not having it, Lauren. No. I'm not having it. I just think she's got to be a bit too big for her bits. And yeah, I, I think on, she yeah. tends to come across as like, you know, really down to earth and all that shite. But there you go. There she is, mm. people. There she is. Kate Winslet laid bare. She's ungrateful. <laughs> um, so River Phoenix was also a choice to play oh. Jack Dawson. For, um, now, the film was in production for a while. He obviously died before the film was released. Um, at the time the movie made, he had died, and Leonardo DiCaprio had reached the perfect age, um, which feels gross and weird. Mm. Like, you know, they had to wait till he had ripened or something. Yeah. Um, so 
Lindsay Lohan had auditioned for the role of Cora Cartmill. Remember the the wee girl you see oh, in yes. certain scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, she was only eight at the time um, when casting took place and was the top choice for the role. However, James Cameron felt that her fiery red hair would confuse people into thinking that she was somehow mm. related to Rose's character because she also had red hair. And so the role went to Alex Owen Sarno. Um, so, you know, you can look her up and see what she's been at. I think she does have um, a page on IMDb. That's it. Mm. Um, James Cameron actually wanted Enya to compose the score for the film. Um, and had even went as far as assembling like a rough edit um, using her music. She declined, and then that's whenever James Cameron hired uh, mm. uh, James Horner. Um, Just having visions to... now of uh, Sail Away. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. <laughs> no. <laughs> Perfect song. Um, it was actually Horner's score for Braveheart. Like, I think I'm pretty sure Braveheart is at the heart of it, my favourite mm-hmm. film. And then Titanic, I'm going to put it in the top three just because it doesn't feel right if I don't. Um, he uh, he wanted to get him involved. Now, apparently there was tensions there because um, he had hired James Cameron to compose the music for Aliens and to write the score. And that because of such tensions with James Cameron during post-production of Aliens, um, he kind of had assumed that they would never work again. Mm. So he he sort of put it to one side when he was offered to do Titanic. Um, But he wanted the score to kind of still be done in an Enya style, which I think it definitely is. You can Mm. see very clearly like where the parallels are there. Um, On the set of the film, this annoys me, um, Leonardo DiCaprio had his pet lizard with him on the set and I got run over by a truck but it was okay oh. it didn't die that just annoys me it seems very immature that he would have to have a fucking lizard mm. on the set with him grow up Leo you wee frigger um, this is one that I think probably um, you'll probably feel some type of way about so obviously there's um, kissing between Kate and Leonardo DiCaprio uh, during the film Kate had some simple rules I think this is really cheeky actually because I just think you know she must have had a pretty had very low expectations of him or you know what she felt but she was very concerned about the kissing scenes and she gave out rules that he wasn't allowed to drink coffee he wasn't allowed to eat anything with onions in no garlic no smoking prior to the shooting and um he apparently agreed to all this, but then would do everything, like would, would then do all those things on purpose just to piss her off. And I'm it's proud that you know, probably a bit childish. Um, she, this is so stupid. You know, you're like, you could think of a better name. She would affectionately nickname him Stinky Leo. Like, okay, you're hilarious. I'll say. And this is a bit you'll like. So in addition, he would occasionally slip his tongue into her mouth during the kissing scenes just to make her laugh. Enjoy uh, an unconsensual tongue slip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know it's part of it comes with the job and all of being an actor, but yeah, yeah that's it. Have to, uh, to be to be fair, have to draw I, a line somewhere. I would, I would, I would have been up for that. I wouldn't have minded that, to be quite honest. But yeah, I would have been like, he loves me. No, like he actually, no, we're, we're actually away from this. Like he really fancies me. It's life imitating art for a couple now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like. This is real. Oh my God, you're my life partner and we'll show our kids this film and they will be like, 
that's the film they fell in love to. Um, as the this is, this is so random. So as the elderly Rose exits the helicopter, so you know at the near the start of the film, whenever mm. they get uh, old Rose to come to this like big ship that they have, a big boat that's doing the excavation or you know trying to recover the artifacts, she is holding her pet Pomeranian. Now apparently this is a tribute. This is I don't I think this is fake. This is a tribute to the twelve confirmed dogs on the Titanic. Okay. Only three of them survived. Two were Pomeranians and one was a Pekingese. I'm amazed um, that three of them survived. Yeah, it was due to their small size that they were able to smuggle. Mm. They were smuggled on the lifeboats. So that's just a wee bit weird. Um, we're very nearly the end of, of these facts, guys. So just yeah, I've just got two left. So um, if you, anyone's interested in knowing what the mega the car was that Jack and Rose shagged in, it was a Renault, guys. Okay, <laughs> you can sleep soundly tonight. <laughs> been a long time waiting for that information but it was a Renault do you drive a Renault Lauren what do you drive no. uh Hyundai so do I do you yeah every day's a school day I always have Honda in mind as your cover that was obviously an old yeah, one yeah that was my old one that was my Rebecca yeah uh, um, I like my was... I like a Hyundai I always go I, um, I really like my car I must say I always I go really like... ja- uh, I was always advised to go like a Japanese or Korean as Hyundai is makes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did own a, a Citroen for two weeks all two weeks mm-hmm. before it absolutely shot itself and I had to return it oh my first car was a Citroen so it was my wee, right. my wee yes. C2 it was a wee mm-hmm. four-seater so it was like it was cute wee. it was mm. very dinky uh and my mom would always my I don't know if it was my mom or my dad but one of them I think it was my dad probably like sowed the seeds to my mum that if she's in an accident that car is literally going to be like smashed smithereens because it's mm. literally like made just of aluminium foil <laughs> and um and then I got upgraded to the Honda mm. um so very lucky but uh yeah no that least certainly gave me no bother it was great really? it was. yeah I liked it it was the the boot was for jack shit so it was mm. like you couldn't put a school bag in it um but I was just buzzing that I had it Mm. I'd love to see a, a Citroen C2 now I'd say it just it would make me laugh how tiny it is like a clown car probably now the one um, uh, I had for that, that fortnight was a C3 and mm-hmm. yeah, that's, um, that's, yeah. as I said it all went wrong very quickly and the trader that I bought it from tried to like get it fixed for me and just couldn't he basically said mm-hmm. I can't fix this for you and gave me the money back And uh, but now that car has been bought by someone in this town and I see oh it driving God. around That's and fair. I sometimes go walk on my lunch break and I've walked past it the other week and I thought, there's my first car that I owned for so a fortnight <laughs> and it's now obviously been fixed and is back on the road. <laughs> How many miles did it have on it when you sold it? Can you remember? Well, it didn't have very many. Like I was buying it because um, it probably had literally been some wee old lazy's car, you know, and it had like mm. 40,000 miles or something on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just, yeah. Wasn't uh, wasn't playing ball for me. So yeah. Well, I just look at those other facts, and they kind of just like um, a uh, amalgam of some that I've already covered. So that's me now in terms of my facts. You know, the video. I know this hasn't really been very video music video focused in terms of the um, song itself. Um, 
I had, I remember having like, so the, the music video version that you see with Celine and, and the boat and all the rest, that is the version that is on Celine's Let's Talk About Love album. Mm. The single version is not the same. And okay. I was very, I was quite annoyed at this because I love in the music video version, there's a bit where she goes, it's like, it's at the end, she's like, the heart does go on. And then there's like a guitar that goes, I wanted that part because I just thought it was so much more powerful and the single version didn't have that it was shit and it wasn't on the soundtrack and then as I sent you the only Mm. one back to Titanic was the dialogue mix which had like the Rose you're the most amazingly beautiful like (laughs) all that shit um but yeah um that's all I can tell you about the, the video itself. That was my my main gripe at the time. I still carry those gripes today, as you can see, because I can. I love how little twelve year old, eleven twelve year old, and I was so annoyed over the guitar solo <laughs> being missing from this. <laughs> so annoyed. Um, I just was like, just just put the same one on everything. Why is this different? Hmm. But I mean, but, that video um, is basically just mostly movie clips, isn't it? Plus it is, yeah, it is. And the then it's just so. like, she'll just kind of appear like... <laughs> no, it's not even like they did... The with, boat. Not even with like Aerosmith, where they sort of Photoshop them into NASA, into this movie. Yeah. Not like yeah. scenes and in like the background. Make it look like Liv Tyler's Barrett, yeah. but Steven Tyler's, you know... Hmm. We're losing him on screen, but he's actually over there in the corner <laughs> with a friggin' cast on his leg because just it can't it's so the impact of a friggin' uh, microphone, microphone. Stand falling on it. You went. Um, so I think that's, that's that's all I have for you. Is I really hope that I've done the movie justice mm. in every single aspect of it. I really enjoyed my research and I really enjoyed presenting it, and I feel like I will die a happy girl knowing that I had this chance to really indulge in my love for that film and it will channel five like to throw it on every so Mm. often it'll come on around Christmas I imagine before the summer it'll be aired somewhere and you know I always think to myself like I oh my god it's on and I want to sit down and settle myself for the three hours 15 minutes that it lasts to uh to watch it um but yeah, I enjoy um, introducing that film to my children as well. And if they mm. don't, they don't love it the way I did, we'll probably not be as close as I want us to be. <laughs> um, so they may hope that that's not the case. Um, yeah, as I said, maybe about eight years now, or maybe less than eight, six maybe since I watched it, I can't remember, but um, it takes me a long time to recover enough to put myself through mm. the emotional turmoil of it all. all oh, I think that means more to you than it did to me, to be honest, because I don't think I ever <laughs> cried. Like, I just really? was like, I just felt like I'd been hit by a train and I was like, let's do it again. <laughs> Adrenaline rush. What a mm-hmm. again. Yeah, I just, it was just, you know, like, as I say, my, how I felt about Leonardo DiCaprio, like, that was a new feeling for me. I was like, <laughs> what? Who's this guy? The floppy hair. Like mm-hmm. I have a t-shirt with Leonardo DiCaprio on it that I got. Like it was, I think it was when I was living in Manchester, and they have a really good Primark, and they had like really a really cool Leonardo DiCaprio t-shirt, and uh, I of can't wait. Young to Leo. Wear. Yes, Young Leo. It was. I think it was a cover. Well, I don't know if it was a cover, but it was like it's as if it was like a Life magazine cover um, mm-hmm. with Leonardo DiCaprio on it, and uh, I cannot wait to wear that bad boy again. 
um, once we're able to go out and socialise and meet each other for mm. a Beverly or two. <laughs> Come here along to the be. comedy thing, comedy night. <laughs> Yeah. God, like I say, I I feel like I've outfit planned so many um, occasions that I would need to be taking a gap year um, (laughs) to get them all worn during this whole time. It's been rough. I really, I'm trying to think that age who. What celebrities would have been on my radar? He was my, he was my, I think he was my whole teens. I think he mm. was, and he was in the beach and he was gorgeous there as well. I just, I still feel very like, I don't feel like I have that same, like the way I was felt so attractive to him as a teenager. Mm. But I now feel like, like I still feel very like a strong, strong association to him. Like when we get a lot older and we watch him age and you know eventually expire like I'll be very upset when that happens because I'll be like god I remember like how I felt whenever he first burst Mm. onto my screen changed my life changed my life for the better um, when did Men in Black come out I I was a Will Smith fan like Will Smith I think Um, that was around it wasn't long after I think I think it was definitely late 90s Lauren mm. like so I think it was probably same time maybe yeah, I think so. I like Will Smith. And I remember um, I, I liked Five. I met, like Jay from Five. Not oh, tragic. Lauren. And... That is a for- <laughs> that's the worst I've ever heard. <laughs> and him and his faux, his faux American rap accent. You know, like, yeah. oh, God, he's a cringe um, But like, that's but, I mean, he was good for the band. That's obviously music. Honestly, actor-wise, I can't think. I know that Leonardo was popular at the time. And I remember thinking at the time, like, he's all right, but he wasn't really my cup of tea for whatever mm. reason clearly I've always had um, alternative yeah, tastes well, I don't know <laughs> I feel like um did you fancy Marilyn Manson uh yeah bye <laughs> fucking stud muffin right there <laughs> uh, no. do you know what I I, I know he's a, 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 from what we know what, what's come out recently I think he's a scumbag we'll put him in that category oh, yes, um but like I fancied him in his Tainted Love video. I couldn't even tell you what he looked like in it now. Um, oh, he looked like himself. Definitely fancied him. So I don't know why I was on at the time. I was uh, obviously uh, feeling a wee bit fancy and was like, you know, <laughs> widening my um, tastes in terms yeah. of what I was being exposed to. The I definitely remember like big Eminem fan around the age of 14 was obsessed. Obsessed. Okay. Uh, me and our good friend who emigrated, we were both massive fans of the old Marshall Mathers and uh, posters of him and stuff. I love the way we talk about our friend that emigrated, like she got a boat like <laughs> she on the Titanic, she went across off. the Atlantic. <laughs> to yeah. get away from here, away yeah. from us. You oh, were obsessed with him, yeah, fancied him and oh, all. very much so, yeah. Mm, very was, good. Um, you know, like, uh, no, I like him more. No, I like him more. <laughs> oh, you was losers. We were tragic. Sure. What about, I mean, like, I can't really speak on it. I, I wasn't around at the time, but you and two of our friends used to play the Westlife game. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll go into more detail because I imagine we might do a Westlife episode. But mm. um, yeah, you got you got screwed over in that game I, because when you weren't so. playing, they were cheating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, see, I liked, like, there were three of us, like, Westlife. And, I, you know, one, one of our friends, like, she and so they were a couple 
I like Nikki. So he was, you know, my husband and our other friend, like Brian. I put you down for Nikki, Lauren. I feel like you're wrong with Brian. No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really actually usually a fan of, I suppose, like blonde, fair haired guys. Mm -hmm, But, mm -hmm. um, but like Shane and Mark were the only sort of dark haired two in the band. I didn't like either Mm -hmm. of them. So Nikki, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Said That's on him. So funny. And uh, but yeah, behind my back, whenever I wasn't around, apparently Nikki was having an affair <laughs> with Brian's wife. And I only discovered this later, many years later. Oh god, that is so funny. <laughs> the treachery of it all. The treachery of it all. Like, you know, <laughs> just, just just you can trust no one because no. you just don't know who's <laughs> who's lurking in the shadows. You don't, even your your best buds. Mm-hmm. And your imaginary lovers can't Kinder trust bad. them either. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I mean, I think we can probably say at this point that this episode, this part two of the tenth episode, is actually the conclusion of this series, if you mm-hmm. want to call it, Lauren. Yeah. Um, we we already knew that we were only going to do a set amount and just see how we get on, and then like kind of formulate what the next series mm-hmm. um was going to look like so um it's been really good fun it's been so lovely to get so many positive comments from people mm-hmm. and you know people really like doing their bit to kind of share and promote this wee podcast because yeah. it is really silly like and it's really fun because it's just we're just talking about the old times and <laughs> and that's you know normally you only touch on these things but we get a chance to like actually really explore them and laugh yeah. about them so you know for me whether or not people want to listen or not I find it quite cathartic and mm. lovely just to kind of get away from stress of lockdown and work and whatever else could be going on to just sit and like have a laugh for mm. an hour or or whatever so you know we really hope that people have enjoyed these episodes and we would love more people to listen to them and hopefully relate to them and mm-hmm. see them as good crack because we're not here to talk about really heavy stuff you know there's a lot of that out there and this is fun this is just supposed to be a bit of crack mm. and we hope you all agree with us that it is a bit of crack hope so um yeah, it's been lovely hearing all the nice comments and stuff. And we hope that, yeah, we'll have a season two, take we break and have a season two to pick it up again and uh, and see what we can come up with from there and um, how it looks going forward. So, yeah, it's yeah. definitely just been good to have something to like work towards every week mm-hmm. and working on these and uh, putting them out into the world. Very, mm-hmm. some very new for us. And uh, but it's been really good, really good fun, really enjoyable experience mm-hmm. I have to say and uh really appreciate yeah all the the listeners and the support that we've had so far it's been a very pleasant surprise <laughs> mm. I think you know obviously want to encourage as much sort of like it's lovely to have that interaction people mm. give us their, their feedback you know because we want to listen to all of it and you know take it on board and and everything and I know just even with ourselves you know talking about it like 
different ideas of things we want to try to maybe do um moving forward so we'll when we take a wee break we'll think a bit more about that and how that's going to look and stuff and hopefully people want to stick around and stay involved with that so mm-hmm. just for me thank you very much and um like i say it's been it's been so lovely um just people being so positive and you know listening regularly and um and getting in touch about um how they've enjoyed mm-hmm. what we're doing and stuff so that's been really lovely so thank you so much to people who've um sent us those messages and and we're very thankful for anyone that wants to listen and you know follow us on social media um it's very much appreciated yeah it's and it's lovely feeling to to think that you're part of someone's week and that you can provide a little bit mm. like light entertainment and mm-hmm. uh, put a bit of joy out into the world really mm-hmm. um, so yeah thank you very much everyone Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah wrapping up season one and yeah. if you want to follow us on social media in the meantime keep an eye out for when season two is going to be coming along and interact with us on there uh, and we'll keep you posted so at yeah. the video chat podcast on Instagram and the Facebook page as well so okay. from both of us to all of you <laughs> thanks <Bonjour>. once again <laughs> bonjour Hey, au revoir, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.